And I had to realize that like, it's actually going to be the contributions I make to the business, not how I look, that is ultimately going to get me where I need to go. And, you know, I just kind of like buckled down and I really focused on what I thought was important. It's a long story, but at the end of the day, I ended up getting the role that I wanted, the exact same role, like less than a year later. I'm Janet Ioli, and you're listening to Power Presence Academy, practical wisdom for leaders. If you're looking for leadership mentoring, advice, or just a dose of inspiration, I've got you covered. Join me as I share leadership tips and lessons of experience from experts and from executives at the top of their game. This is your go-to place for all things leadership. It doesn't have to be lonely at the top. Let's go. Amy is a marketing executive at Google Cloud and has nearly 20 years of experience in enterprise marketing. So Amy, thank you so much for agreeing to do this today and being with us here to share your wisdom. Happy to be here. Thank you, Janet. I wanted to hear a little bit about your leadership journey because people are always curious, how did you get to where you are today? So if you could just share with us, so how did you get to where you are today? Absolutely. So it's interesting. I always knew I had a passion for marketing. So I wanted to be in marketing. I was born and raised in the Silicon Valley, which is fairly rare these days, but I'm sure that's no surprise I landed in, in high tech. And so for me, I would say a lot of it was just always having a passion for both what I do, which would be the kind of day-to-day work of marketing. But then I've always been someone that was really passionate about leading people. And part of that was one of the reasons, like when I went to business school, we got to actually major in leading people and organizations to really learn like the organizational behaviors and things that you can do to be a most productive people leader. And so in terms of my journey, I would say it's been interesting, especially as a woman in tech. Actually, I want to say now, like 23 years ago, you know, what it was like. (laughs) Yes, right. Very different times than today of, you know, how you become an early people manager and an early, early leader. I think there was a lot of moments where you just have to stick your neck out there, try something new, go outside of your comfort zone. I definitely left big companies like IBM for smaller, early stage, whether it was a startup or, or other companies. And, you know, you, you find yourself in a room with only men and, and you think about how am I going to navigate this and get to the next level? And so I would say it's been a mixture of just like putting yourself out there, trying new things, understanding the environment you're in. And at the end of the day, it's just, for me, it came back to really being a a people-centric leader and how are we really thinking about the organization at large, what they need, how to marry that with the outcomes that we really need that I think has contributed to my ability to kind of get to where I am today. So a large portion of it is people, it sounds like, right? Yeah, part of your success. So, okay, go back to early career self. Now knowing what you know today, what advice would you give that early career self about some of the things that you could have been doing or would have, would have been doing differently? So I think there's two things. When I get the question about early career, I actually think some of the things that I did right was 
always being curious, always being creative and like finding problems to solutions where a problem wasn't even obvious. So like first example, very first job out of college, I was at IBM. It was a building with lots of people and there was just no community. And I remember going to the director at the time who had an organization of like 80 people saying, like, I don't know my colleagues. Like, can I start a social committee where we can celebrate birthdays? We can do things. And he's like, who's this, you know, super energetic, you know, 21 year old or whatever it was. And, you know, was able to really start young on these types of ideas, which I think then opened up the doors in other places for me. When I think about the ability of my, like what I would tell my mid-year age person, I think that's probably the most interesting. Mm. So I, I definitely have an experience where I was applying for my first vice president role at a company I was at. And again, I think I mentioned the beginning, very, you know, kind of a male dominated environment. There was one other woman on the CMO staff. I thought, you know, that this could be a great fit. And I knew I had the background for the role. I actually had to interview while I was on maternity leave. So that was a little bit of a challenge. And then my first day back, you know, I find out I did not get the job primarily citing executive presence with literally words like how will she fare across the table from a 55 year old gray haired executive. Like my presence wasn't what it needed to be for this role. And in fair, like the role was alliances where you're meeting people like Michael Dell and people like very senior leaders in other big tech companies. And I really took that to heart. I literally had headshots the following week. I dyed my hair dark. I looked nothing like myself in a headshot for probably I used for a year. And I had to realize that like, it's actually going to be the contributions I make to the business, not how I look that is ultimately going to get me where I need to go. And, you know, I just kind of like buckled down and I really focused on what I thought was important. It's a long story, but at the end of the day, I ended up getting the role that I wanted, the exact same role, like less than a year later just, and blonde again. So I was myself. I didn't need to change myself. And there was that year where I just felt like a little bit of an identity crisis moment. And I think if I would have told myself something back then, it's very much like, be comfortable in your skin, be who you are, like, you know what you care about most. And like, that's what's going to make you successful, your contributions to the team, to the output of the the results and like that is really what's going to help you not trying to change yourself because you think that's what's needed to look like for a job. I love that you share that story. I mean, I think it's it's a really powerful one. You know, we're told so much about the appearance. I mean, women tend to focus a lot on the appearance. So do you think that now, I mean, in your current role, how do you navigate that? Great question, Janet, because ironically, we just talked about this in a Google session around DEI. We were talking about appearance. And I think for me, the way I navigate this is to A, like understand there is an unconscious bias, whether or not people want to think a certain way or feel a certain way, and to just be aware of that. And so the way this happened in our Google conversation was I was very honest that like I, so I have really long, very wavy blonde hair. Google is actually the first company, and I've only been there less than four years, that I actually wear my hair down. And not blown out looking, you know, sleek and straight. And it was interesting because it started this whole topic of, you know, how do we appear and how do we navigate the difference between like where we feel comfortable just being ourselves 
And ultimately what it came down to is like knowing that there's this unconscious bias, there is a time and place. So, you know, I've had the luxury of like interviewing our CEO, Thomas Curry, and and then the CEO of Accenture. Like I wouldn't show up in like a sweatshirt and like really frizzy hair. That's, you know, out to here. I would have my blazer on and my hair in a bun. And, you know, you need to be aware that people only have like 30 seconds to make a first impression when you start to talk and building that credibility does matter. And so at the same time, I now feel comfortable at Google, like on days when I'm just meeting internally, like, yes, like I'll put on just, you know, a blouse and let my hair go out. And I just feel fully comfortable. I think as a society, we're getting more and more comfortable with just people showing up and looking different and being okay with that. And that's not necessarily a, you know, you're, you're assessing them as somebody who's serious about their career or they're an executive or a more junior level employee. Being yourself really has nothing to do with your appearance, but the reality is, and being aware of the reality is that we're still in a society, unfortunately, we're moving from that, that, you know, as humans, we're, we notice what people look like. And so, you know, so being aware of that, that doesn't mean you have to go change yourself, but having that as an awareness. And I, and I think that's, that's what you're saying is that just know that. (laughs) <laughs> and then you make exactly. the choice and you make the decision on how you want to intentionally show up in a certain situation. I love it. I love, I love that. I think the spot on difference is like, I am in control. Exactly. Like of other people, right? Like I'm aware. And then I'm going to decide, you know, what feels comfortable for me in this day, in this environment, in the setting. Right. That's it. That's it. It's not because I feel like I have to do that. It's because I'm making exactly. a choice. That maybe that's what's needed here. And mm-hmm. exactly. and yeah, no, I love it. Have you noticed throughout your career any unique challenges that you face being a woman as a leader or not? I mean, so it's not a given, but have you noticed any? My honest opinion here, mm-hmm. the challenges that I have faced being a woman were entirely internal mm-hmm. per my earlier example of you know, the feeling of I needed to change my appearance to have executive presence. I would say from a like holistic point of view, I actually think being a woman was an advantage because in high tech, we know, and there's data everywhere, like diversity of thought, diversity in teams, boards, leadership teams actually produce the stronger results. So there's a lot of pressure to be able to bring, you know, gender, race, all types of diversity to the table. And since there's not a ton of women that, you know, are out there in tech, I actually feel like it was not a disadvantage for me. If anything, it was an advantage. Oh, that's great. And I think sometimes we do, I mean, some of it is projected ourselves, right? So we project some, and then some of it are just, I know I hear stories of, I mean, horror stories of, situations where some women have faced in, in different things. So that's why I always ask that question to see, you know, what your take is on it. So that's great. Now, what about now in your career? And, you know, not, not looking at any company that you're working for, but just at this level and point in your career, what are some unique challenges that you face? I think right now, the biggest thing that's been keeping a lot of the leaders up at night is right. It's like we are such in a pivotal shift around, you know, coming out of these COVID times. 
and people's lives are just really changing. And like right now, for example, we've officially returned to office in, in the U.S. And so, you know, all the emotions, all the logistics, all the things that come with that, I feel like the people management, empathetic leadership type of the side of our roles has never been more important. It's actually one of the reasons I love Chief, but you can sit there and like talk about how are you managing through this complexity and tricky time. I would say like, you know, with the, it seems like every other six months, there's some really heavy emotional situation happening. Obviously, like the war in Ukraine is the current moment in time. And how are we there for people and navigating people? It's like, I almost wish I took more psychology courses on like, how are you there on the, for the human side of what people really need? And so I think the leaders who recognize that that is really important for your people to have somebody that they can talk to, they can confide in on all aspects of themselves, not just like, did you get this deadline done for me on time? I find that one of the most challenging because it's so important and you want to make sure you get it right. It's interesting how that has evolved because as someone who's been doing, you know, who's been in the leadership development field for quite a long time, right. And, you know, the human development, the psychology stuff is, you know, we've been harping on this people centric, people focused, people, but, but with results, right. And so with a practical business side, but there seemed to be a bias towards results at, at, at any price, right? Or at any cost, the ends yeah. justify the means type of thing. And now I think we're moving towards, ooh, you know, there is such a big correlation to, you know, how we're treating people and how we react and relate to people to results. And I think that's finally coming to the forefront from what you're saying, because I'm hearing this over and over again. Okay, so we have this picture, Amy, you obviously are a powerhouse woman talking to us today. And I think sometimes we get the picture when we see people and we see their role and we see what they're doing as perfect, right? And so there's this perfect persona. And yet I know for sure, working with men and women executives, that that's not real, right? That that there is no perfection. And that we're all dealing with a lot of stuff, just our own stuff and also what we constitute or when we, we may feel as failure, like we or in setbacks or, you know, having to get back up. So talk to us a little bit about perhaps a failure you've had and how you, what you learned from it, how you recovered from it, something that wasn't so perfect in this trajectory of your career. Yeah, I think the, the challenging part that I've had is, you know, there's always that first 30, 60, 90 days in a first job and you want to listen and you're so focused on doing everything perfect and everything right. I had a moment where like people management and people leadership was always my strength. So I never really thought I had to work on it. Like I was always so on top of it and I would do great, you know, performance reviews. And there was my like, I think very first performance review at Google for somebody And it was a little bit kludgy because I was hiring this person's new manager, but they had just started. And so it, let's just say like super under preparation to the point where she literally said, this is like the worst performance review I've ever had. And it rocked my world. And she was right. And I, you know, I had this moment of like, you know, feeling first so awful at the human level, but then also like 
we can't ever get so busy. We can't ever just think that we know how to do something so well that we don't make the preparation there and the time there for the things that really matter, which is like, how are you helping to shape the growth of the people that lead? And so that was one of those, like, I will never do that again. And I will always make the time and I will make sure that I'm prepared because yeah, it it was definitely a, I would say a a low point, but one that I learned a lot from. And see, I thank you for sharing that because I think we all have those points, an unintentional impact, right? On something where we're running around like crazy, but we don't ever talk about those things and, or recognize that that's not a failure. It's really just a, an opportunity, (laughs) you know, it's an opportunity to do something different. So what real advice would you give women who are just struggling with, how am I going to do all of this so perfectly? (laughs) Yeah, I think the biggest thing is always have priority set. So for me, like I know, for example, my, I have 13 and 11 year olds, the things on like their school performances or baseball games, like whatever it is, just really knowing that like, these are the things that are my number one priority. There's a moment in time in my life and their life that like, I want to be there for them for this and everything else can be planned around. And my, you know, executive assistant, my coworkers, like people know that and respect that. And so like to have the really hard boundaries on those moments that really, really matter. And that is like the number one thing that I think where I feel good about, because you're not always going to be there for everything. Um, You're traveling, you're here, you're there. And then the other thing is just to like be easy on ourselves is the other big takeaway, because there are moments where, you know, you like this week, for example, our first time our leadership team got together in person. It was like long days, long dinners every night after night. My house right now is a disaster. Like, that's okay. <laughs> Nobody's going to be like, I wish I had like a clean house and the laundry wasn't in the backlog. And just, you know, making grace for ourselves, knowing that, you know, we can only do so much and not to beat ourselves up when things are not as good as we are expecting them to be of ourselves. The word grace is a good one there. Because we give grace yes. to everybody else, but not so much to ourselves sometimes. Whereas with the standard I set for myself, right, is like this perfection. I don't mean personally, but for all of the collective we, is it's this perfection and just letting go of that. As we're wrapping up, I always ask this same question. What's an inspirational quote that would encompass something that you'd want to impart to the listeners here today? So you realized, Janet, I have to use the quote that came up in our meeting the other day, which is like, I just realized perfect to the conversation that we just had, which we were having this conversation on having grace for one another. And actually also for our children, right? Like they see, and I have a 13 year old daughter, you know, it's amazing how much pressure I feel our kids put on themselves to like get all great grades and excel in sports. And there's just a lot of social pressures around them. And we were talking about the notion of progress, not perfection, of which you had your like That's sign right. up, which is okay. amazing. All right, everyone. Those, like universe is talking to us moments where somebody in our group mentioned this. And I'm like, I love this. I'm going to use it with my daughter. I'm going to use it with myself. And then Janet turns around and like holds it up because it sits <laughs> on your desk every day. So anyway, I feel like that really spoke to me. And is something that I'm trying to like live and breathe constantly. And, and so, yes, that is my quote. 
Are there any other parting words of wisdom you would give to the listeners here today that you haven't said or you haven't shared already? Actually, yes. So when you were thinking, I was thinking about like career journey and I know I made some comments about not being afraid of risks and things like that. I do think it's important that especially when there's so many environmental things around us happening, like I think people sometimes have a high threshold of like either settling or dealing with situations they don't love. And if I think of my career and one of the reasons I got to where I am I would say if something is not right and you are not happy, every day you make a choice. You wake up, you're either going to go spend time with your family, you're either going to go do something for yourself all day, or you're going to go to work, some kind of work. And if that work isn't fulfilling, then make a move, like make a change. Like I just feel like nobody wins when people aren't matched in the right team or in the right company. And so I just encourage people to like be proactive. I have several examples where... Okay, I have one example where I ended up like realizing that I wasn't happy. You start taking recruiter calls. You're like, okay, you know, this is better. It ended up working out. I stayed at the company, but that opportunity wouldn't have been there if I didn't have an offer to go somewhere else. So you just you just never know how the cards will fall, but just know that it's up to you to be proactive on managing your personal journey and your career, and just if something is just not making you happy. Don't just live with it. Like everybody has the opportunity to do something about it. Thank you so much, Amy, my wise woman for for being here today and sharing this wisdom. I know that the listeners will get a lot out of this. And I, I really appreciate, I got a lot out of it. Thanks for listening. And always remember this, every single moment you have a choice in what you say, what you do, and how you make people feel. Pause and make those choices wisely and intentionally because every single moment, those choices are who you become as a leader. See you next time.